another episode of praying and preaking with your girl Georgette. I am super excited because in the building today, I have with me sitting down to chit chat with me, the very own Mr. Knowledge Born Allah. I hope you can hear me. He's It's raining here, y'all, where we are and where he is. So we're having a little bit of connection problem, but we're going to go ahead and get this thing started. And I'm going to just turn it over to the higher powers that is going to be all right. So I'm going to go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. I love it because... Um, as I always say, my guests never know what the topic is until they get here. And so let me go ahead, get into this word of prayer, and then I will share what the topic is with you guys that are listening and also to Mr. Knowledge for the first time. But let me go ahead and hit this word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come right now, first and foremost, just thanking you for this day, Lord God, thanking you for waking us up. Thank you for allowing us to see one more day. Lord, right now, I just pray for the connection, Lord God. I ask that you let us get through this, Father God, that the connection be great, Lord God, that everything that we do is pleasing, glorifying, magnifying, edifying your name, Father God. I thank you for my guests. I thank you for everything that he does, everything that he puts his hands to. May it be blessed, manifested, Father God, a hundredfold. Lord, we just thank you, honor you, praise you on this day. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. So, Mr. Knowledge, I'm just going to turn it over to you, let you, whatever it is that you want to tell the people um, about yourself. I always say I can never, uh, you know, introduce or, or, or describe all of who the who my guest is better than them. And so I'm going to turn it over to you, whatever you want to share, my brother. Oh, okay. Well, first, I want to thank you and thank our creator who imbued you with the spirit of your walk and how you use that walk and how you use scripture to uplift, to motivate, to inspire, to do as scripture said, behold, I make all things new. That's a promise, you know, from our creator. So you are definitely doing that and giving us an opportunity uh, to see your example and to emulate that example here. So I would be remiss if I didn't do that. And thank you for the opportunity here. I am Knowledge Born Lada, host and founder of Do Knowledge Radio. Uh, to date, we have about 2,100 episodes and counting. I lost count after 2,100. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's 2,100 episodes and counting. And, you know, we exist for purpose, uplifting, motivation of our people. I think we have the talent, skills, and skills need platform or through line or an opportunity to be shown to the world. We exist as that platform, as that through line, as that springboard to introduce, you know, our people's gifts, talents, passions, knowledge base, you know, and skills to the world. So somewhere where they can find a safe haven to, you know, be who they are and share their brilliance and walk in their purpose and share their story. So that's kind of like the one of the mandates around the show. And we've been doing that for about six years now and still going strong. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That is wonderful. Yes, this brother is on a lot of different um, platforms. He has his hands in some amazing stuff. And so... I applaud you for all that you do for others. I mean, he does a lot. Uh, that's the whole 21 episodes like that's <laughs> that's major. And so I thank you and I thank you for um, allowing that platform. And so today 
our topic and we're going to kind of go on another side of this instead of all that you do. My topic today is knowledge is power. And so I want to talk to you today about who knowledge is. I know what you do and what you offer and all of the things that you do for the community. But right now, a little bit, I just want to, because as I was looking and digging and, and trying to find out who knowledge is, I found out what knowledge does, but I want to know who knowledge is. And what I say by that, I want to know who knowledge is, what makes knowledge, and then why does knowledge exist? So those are my three questions right there. Hopefully you got that and heard that. So who is knowledge? What makes knowledge? And why does knowledge exist? Wow. <laughs> three divine questions and a divine being asking those questions. Who is knowledge? Knowledge is the sum total of an ancestral lineage who saw fit to converge together to bless me with the opportunity to incarnate in this realm. My mother and my father and their lineage saw fit. So knowledge is a accumulation of life experience. You know, in scripture, that first commandment, be fruitful and multiply. My generations, they have no trouble <laughs> in that category of following <laughs> divine commandments. <laughs> so, you know, my mother comes from, you know, 15 children, she had seven of us. I am the fourth child. And, well, I am, yeah, I'm the fourth child. I'm the third son in the lineage. So directly in the middle, three older and three younger. And I was born in a season and I had a unique birth experience out of every one of my brothers and sisters. That point of who knowledge is, it began with that birth story. Come uh, premature, three months premature, birth issues, things like that. The doctors told me I wouldn't make it. And you know, there's other details into the story. Uh, if my mother was not the woman of God that she was, I wouldn't be here. So my mother was walking by faith and not by sight. She didn't allow what the circumstances was down to my birth and the conditions that surrounded my birth to have her dismayed for her to yield to the temptation and the whisperings of the evil ones who recognized who was coming out of my mother's womb? Mm. So that mm. birth story is something that propelled me. And it's more to the story. You know, that first year of my life on the planet was very telling in regards to the hospital and their motivations and intentions and things that happened, you know, within the first year of my life. And these are the things that have me intertwined and molded and shaped in my early life experiences, you know, walk with me in my purpose. So my purpose and I and who I am are very, very, very intertwined. And sometimes I step on my purposes, sometimes my purpose step on my feet, but we keep on dancing. You understand what I'm saying? Until we get this together uh, in a divine manner. You see what I'm saying? In a harmonious manner. And maybe that's our harmony to step on each other's feet when it's necessary as a reminder to one another that we are dancing with one another. So, you know, along this path and journey, you know, of my existence and coming into being, you know, adversity, trial, things like that, you know, to your second question, this is what makes knowledge. You see what I'm saying? I didn't run from challenges. I didn't run from obstacles or circumstance. I just told you my birth story. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I came into being on that path and, you know, that path led me through, you know, a, a time where no matter what trial or test was set before my path, I found a way to turn those obstacles into a blessing, you know, and that's the 
you know, bulk part of, you know, my life in regards to, you know, a trial by fire, like scripture says, my life, existence, my coming into being, my growing up uh, where I grew up and my love for my family gave me a love for our people. Loving my family, protecting my family, protecting the, the women in my family, my sisters, my you know, my aunts, whomever gave me a love and respect and honor for black women. You see what I'm saying? So being in that space and choosing, you know, to walk this path and journey had me fall in love with our people. So I, I fell in love with my family. I was the protector in my family and I was a protector in my neighborhood, you know, for what I consider my extended family. So this purpose and path that I walked on is something that came from the womb. You know, some people it was a book or it was this or it was that, like it was my existence. My mother fought enough and thought enough of, for me to live so that I might walk in my purpose. Mm. I believe we agreed in spirit, my mother and father choosing each other and, you know, already lining out and mapping out what their duties and responsibilities to, to me was and my duties and responsibilities to them. So, you know, I think we walked together harmoniously. It was a time where we all shared the same name, my mother, my father, and I, as a, you know, grand connected. So just, you know, walking in this existence and seeing the atrocities that happened to our people. You see what I'm saying? I see that collective uh, consciousness that we share and, you know, looking uh, to help aid and assist in any way that I can. So, you know, hearing my story, there's no surprise that this would come. These are all of the things I never, you know, saw in my sight, but was always in my vision. You see what I'm saying? So walking these steps, it might look like I would never leave where I was from. And that vision was too large for me to remain where I came from. So I would have to, you know, move and go different places. And, you know, there were things that I was dead set against. And I said, I, I would never do, you know. <laughs> and as my elders used to tell me, you want to make God laugh, tell them you're playing. <laughs> you <understand? laughs> you want to make God laugh, tell them you're playing. So, you know, there was things that I, you know, I, I told our father that I wouldn't do. And those are the things that I did. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Those are the, and the things that I told our father that I was going to do, I didn't do none of them. You see what Ooh. I'm saying? So all of these things come together in, you know, divine time and within this season. You see what I'm saying? Within this season. So this is how you are able to begin to know what knowledge is. You see what I'm saying? They have something now that I agree with you. I say knowledge is power also. They say knowledge is power when applied. No. Mm. Knowledge gives you the power to apply. You see what I'm saying? Knowledge imbues you with a spirit and a power that once you come in contact with a certain knowledge that is for you, it gives you the duty and responsibility to apply. You see what I'm saying? I'll just, just be like, I just had to tell somebody about the goodness of God. That's knowledge right there. You understand? I just had to tell somebody, like, like, like turn to your neighbor and tell them God is working on you. That is what knowledge does because you know with surety that God is working with you. Go tell your neighbor, God said, I'm not done with you yet. You understand? So we know that there's a path and a process to attaining knowledge and also the path to applying it. So they say applied knowledge is power. No, knowledge is power. Knowledge imbues you with a spirit and a power to apply it. You got to figure out how to apply it after you know it. If you don't know it, what are you going to apply? Mm. You have to know it first. You see what I'm saying? It has to be introduced to you. You know, if we say we have a, a personal relationship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You see what I'm saying? And once we know, once we get through and remove the doubt and the fear and everything else and we begin to walk in those steps, now we can begin to apply. 
that's a separate part right there. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so, but you know, the, the the people have become so everything is debatable nowadays. Mm. It's not debatable. Truth is not up for debate. Facts are debatable, but truth is not up for debate. So wow. knowledge is, was and always will be. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Just like truth. It, it doesn't change to suit you. You see what I'm saying? It's there as a divine reminder and, and a corrective. Because if you're on the wrong side of truth, you need to be corrected. So I know that was a long way around, <laughs> but these are you know parts of the the, the conversation in regards to uh, myself. Like you said, I don't I don't get to share a lot. You know, I'm there for many mm-hmm. of you know other people, so I don't really talk about myself because I want the people to feel comfortable. Most of the time, you know, I'm dealing with people who haven't learned how to talk about themselves. And they're in business, they have products and services and amazing things. So you got to get them comfortable with talking about their journey, their products, their services, their business, their their talents, their gifts, their organization, whatever it is that is placed on their heart to do, to be able to talk about it because it's okay. And it's not boastful, it's not bragging. 90% of what people buy is you. 10% is your product or service. Absolutely. So if you're not prepared to present yourself in a certain kind of fashion, then who's going to know about your product or your service? So that's like a, a beautiful thing to be able to see that glow and that passion and compassion and that fire about what they do. So I just lead them to it and give them an opportunity to express it. They'd be like, oh man, this was fun. Oh man, I gotta come back. I thought I was so nervous. You understand what I'm saying? Like these are all natural things that happen, but you move on them. And I hope I answered two of your questions. The, the last question was what again? <laughs> I know I answered well, you two. Can, well, you kind of you answered it too. I the last one was why does knowledge exist? And you kind of tied it all in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we yeah, we got I, it. I exist based off of my agreement, you know, we we all make an agreement with our creator before we come here. And that is not haphazard. Everything is done on purpose. So what the agreement that was made with our creator, with our ancestral lineage, down to our families and our coming into being. See, the beauty about it is we know all of it until we get here and we go through that womb process that womb process erases our memory so we have to start from scratch and if our parents aren't prepared for our arrival if they forget too we all got to figure it out together (laughs) you see what i'm saying so you know you know i was thankful that my mother didn't forget you see what i'm saying uh, my mother nor my father, they they didn't forget. So me coming into mm. being, they were able to walk with me. I was able to walk in my father's example and my mother's example, you know, one physically, one spiritually, and how it moved in regards to the rest of my family. And then having passion and patience and care and love for our family and then for our people. Because this wall that you walk, you know, you get spat on, you get persecuted, you, you know, you start taking it personal. And then you remember Big Mama said, baby, they talked about Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So you get that reminder, like, oh, yeah. You know, and you go and you read the stories of the prophets. They were there as an assistance for their people. And all of the people turned on them. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Like, so this is not a new phenomenon. Well, you say, okay, you want to stand up and help your people that the same people you try to help would yell, crucify him, or give us Barabbas. It's not a new thing. So us walking on this path as sons and daughters of the Most High, these are the things that you have to get used to. You see what I'm saying? So like, this is why you exist. This is why you in the game. You're not in the stands. You got a jersey on. <laughs> you in the game. So you got to move 
according to the game, unless it's a timeout or they put you on the bench. So you're mm. in the game. Just got to be good. in mind. Wow. That's good. That's good. That's good. All right. And so my next question for you or what I want to talk about next is, how does it feel to be a black man in the world today? Huh. <laughs> I'll tell you. I need to get your questions together. <laughs> What's the level? How does it feel to be a black man in in the world today? So not just America, in the world. No, in the world, yes, in the world. So recalling my experiences, it's something sort of bipolar about being a black man in the world today. Something very bipolar about that. Like the diagnosis of bipolar disorder or the diagnosis of multiple personality disorder. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like It's akin to that experience with these mental health diagnoses that you're carrying around, that you have to be, you know, as Paul says, all things to all people. So being a black man in the world today, you find yourself looking and longing to be accepted and loved for who you are and not for what you do. Like you said, with this conversation, you know, there is no love for a black man in the world today for who he is. There is a great tolerance for what a black man does. If you can run, if you can jump, if you can sing, if you can dance, if you can buffoon, if you can coon, if you can be any everything docile, everything other than who you are. You're fine in the world. But if you stand strong as a black man who loves his family, who loves his children, who loves his people, you can find yourself on the wrong side of a weapon, a jail sentence, uh, a mental health state. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Being despised and rejected because you stand as who you are not as who the world perceives you to be. So it's 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 a path not for the faint of heart, you know, that feeling of being a black man in the world today. So you go places where people you know, pretend to love you, you know, pretend to care about you, uh, to pretend to be concerned with you, you know, internally and externally, because you got to go through the, the same thing. You know, a, a young athlete or a young entertainer in those industries, because these are the only industries where you find a, a black man in, because they can be controlled and manipulated in those places. And they have to hold how they feel in those places, because there's so many other people in their life that they're responsible for. So they could see some atrocities and can't be vocal about them because they have to take care of generations. Mm. And then when you see an instance where one does speak out, they're left alone. They're like, oh man, here they go. And then the people on the sidelines, it's like, why did they do that? So first it goes from, why aren't you with all of this wealth or with this money or whatever, saying anything about what's happening to us. And then when they do say something, they're caught in this catch 22. So the people that's depending on them and what they do based off of the services that they provide are now in jeopardy of losing that because their emotions got the best of them at the moment. Or it might have been over a time and they just decided this moment to see to speak, to say something. So oftentimes we don't know on the outside looking in the, 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 the trials and tribulations that come along with that. It's trials and tribulations with just being a black man, period, you know, in the world. 
all of these things. So you have to fight through all of these things in order to exist. So this is why I said the multiple personality disorder, because anybody else that had to endure these things that we have endured and that we have inherited ancestrally as well would be in a place where they'd be checking out of here, you know, trying to take their own life. They'd be heavily medicated. They'd be on some type of controlled substance to try to numb or forget their existence. Mm. And then, you know, some go even further to say, I'm, I'm not a man. I'm something else. <laughs> and we're supposed to call them something else. You understand? So, like, these are, you know, the, the issues that are underlining the depression, the uh, identity crisis. You see what I'm saying? And all of these things, and you're existing in society, say you can be whatever you want. You know, if you, if you think you're a cat, you can be a cat. You understand what I'm saying? So they have these things out there, and you're supposed to navigate through this existence in the world, you know, as someone who doesn't go against the grain, someone who can't have a bad day, someone who can't be pissed off on the side of the road because he done got racially profiled by the police or followed through the store. You, you can't do anything like that. You can't sell water out there on the street. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> like like the the types of you know pitfalls and things like that that come along with you know being black in the world on one side versus the benefits and the love and respect that you get on the other side. Because I told you about all of these other things that confronts. This is another reason why it's like multiple personality disorder because they really love you over here and they don't know what to do with you over here. You see what I'm saying? So there is a space and place where you go, where you're loved, where you're supported, where you're uplifted, where you're anointed, where you're appointed. You see what I'm saying? And this is amongst those real amongst your people. Like Jesus said, who is my mother and my brother? Except they do the will of the one that sent me. You see what I'm saying? It goes into your qualifications. So that may not be your physical brother and sister. That be your brother and sister in that walk that you walk. You know? That 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 comrade, that that confidant, that that one who understands you and y'all are linked based off of the walk that you have chosen to walk. You see what I'm saying? So it goes in, in layers and perspectives. So I can't just say, okay, this is the, the black man's experience without painting the total picture. You know, it's far and few in between in these instances nowadays, but they exist. And you have to search and seek and find them. You know, uh, just like scripture says, seek you first the kingdom of heaven. So you have to find that space within your existence as a black man in the world where his righteousness will be added unto you. And I found his righteousness on the path of service to our people and a grave deterrent for our enemies because we do have them. Mm. All right. Mm. That's that. What would I say? Knowledge is power. Okay. So. <laughs> All right. I, <clears throat> I'm telling you, as I was preparing for this chit chat and this conversation with you, I really um, was in prayer. I always say that God just leaves me and gives me what to say. And like I said, I, I saw what you do and all that, but I wanted to know, like I said, at the root, who is knowledge? And then that, that title just popped in, Knowledge is Power. And I'm going to go somewhere that I usually do not <clears throat> go. I try to stay away from this conversation, but something led me to this question and this topic with you. Um, and so... So coming from law enforcement, <clears throat> I don't know if you know, but I was a police officer for almost 15 years serving in Washington, D.C. And I always stayed away from <clears throat> the police issue, um, the race issue, all of the things that 
go on just because I am, was always on both sides, you know, but now I'm no longer there. And so I want to know, and I want to talk to you a little bit about this black on black crime. And I have a follow-up with that. More importantly, how do we stop it? And how do we, because you and I with people as voices, like all last year, I just kept saying, I heard the word woke, like that we have to be woke to what's going on. And woke may mean something different for everyone. And so my woke is probably different from someone else's woke and your woke. And so I'm just going to leave that right there for now. But I, yeah, I just want to talk about that for a little bit about this, this black on black crime in our, in, in the community. And I, and it's funny because when I, when I wrote it down, I said within our own community and something pricked me and I scratched out our community because I don't live in those communities and something stop me from even writing that even though I'm I'm black and I'm a woman I don't live in I mean I'm from those communities that's where I was born and raised in that community but I no longer live in that community and it was really I I, I just I don't even know why something stopped me from writing that and so yeah so I have to really like dig into that question myself but yeah I'm just gonna leave that right there so let me I, I want to hear knowledges opinion topic of this black on black um, crime in the black communities. That's a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. I told you I was coming. I told you I was coming for you different, my brother. <laughs> I just, you know, related from scripture when they, you know, they told Jesus, hey, your mother and your brother is outside. And Jesus said, who is my mother and who is my brother? So now we have to look at that when addressing the situation of black on black crime, black on black violence. If you don't know who you are, because knowledge is power. Back to this again. Mm. <laughs> knowledge is power. If you don't know who you are, if you don't know where you come from, if you don't see value in your own life, you will not see it in your people. You know, I come from the Bible and the Quran, both backgrounds. Both of them provide insight into the psychology and the motivations that lie deep within the deepest rest recesses of the mind and the heart of men. And then the Quran says, where you find no good men, you will find no good women. Where you find no good men, you will find no good women. So this process of identification, it begins with someone standing to make a capital gain all how you see yourself. If I can control how you see yourself and your diameter of thinking, you never ever see yourself of any worth and value. You find yourself in an abusive relationship continuously in the state of abuse. And we know that hurt people hurt people. So an abused and traumatized person that's in this cycle of abuse and is addicted to the cycle of abuse, they think that this is what all they'll ever be. And then they have children, and those children come up in that same environment, and they're met with that same cycle and spiritual sting of the lash. They continue on this cycle this ritualized cycle and celebration of abuse and addiction. So this abuse and this addiction towards the lack of identity, the, the lack of you know being 
who you truly because you don't know. And who with this trauma, we know with post-traumatic stress, one of the key identifiers with post-traumatic stress is amnesia and hyper. So you're dealing with the people who face traumatic experiences directly and vicariously over a period of 400 years here in America, from one generation to the next. None of these issues being addressed, simply being compound and passed on to the next generation. Nobody knows who they are and where they come from. No pride there. There's no value. Where there's no pride, there's no value. Where there's no pride, there is no value, and there's nothing of worth in value to be celebrated, to be uplifted, to be honored, to even be recognized. So what takes its place? Where are you located? In the demeaning acts and deplorable acts among people, recidivism is celebrated. College, you know, getting a job, starting a business, any of that stuff, none of those things are celebrated. Recidivism, going to jail and kill, is celebrated. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You know, uh, taking a life in these environments is celebrated and uplifted. So we are looking at this spectrum to where you're looking at a young black mind who's sees mine or her mind in a way manifested in a manner where there is no work. No the correction begins with assigning a proper value and hearing the outcries of those who have been traumatized from generation to generation. Look at each other as enemies. So we don't see you know, black women as a mother, as an aunt as a sister, as a niece, as a daughter. We look at them as enemies. We don't see a brother as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a cousin, as an uncle. We see them as enemies and warring factions on both sides. So it's perpetuated virtually and physically. And then those who stand to make a cap gain off this, you know, eruption in the explosion, they continue to pour gas and continue to gaslight and exacerbate these traumatic experiences because someone has to go to jail. Somebody has to go to the cemetery. Somebody has to go to the hospital. You see what I'm saying? So these are all industries that thrive off of one of its number one black people. So the, the conditions that we experience create a space where which a capital gain. So for us to even, you know, attempt to work at that, we would be at odds with everybody else on the planet who is capitalizing off of us in this position and in this condition. So black on black crime is something that feeds the world. And the world benefits off black on black crime. So they can look back and say, oh, okay, well, you're doing it to yourself. How many fed off black lives being taken by black people? And so then and there's other layers that go along with, as you know, where people who are outside of our community police our community. When I was young, the, the police in our community lived in our community just like the teachers. So now that the teachers and the, the policing agents no longer are connected to the community, all they do is come in based off of what they've heard from the outside influences of the families or what's being shown on TV or what's being shown in the movies. So these are the, the children you're looking for. see them as children, you see them as animals, you know. And if you're a policing agent coming from another place, you are already, you know, trained in a certain kind of way to come in this environment. So you're already coming with a bit of prejudice and a bit of hostility because you don't know the people. 
I've been in Iraq and Afghanistan. I understand the, the mind frame that I has to go through. I was in Iraq and Afghanistan with the same kind of mind frame. You see what I'm saying? And that is a you know different kind of understanding in regards to that. And what they teach you before you go to these countries has you in a certain kind of mind frame. So I can tell your mind frame can be manipulated in that regard. That was just really interesting, you know, to look at it symptomatically and, you know, on the surface, because I've seen a lot of people deal with, you know, it from a surface perspective and not from a root perspective. So we see psychologically how this trauma, you know, gone unchecked spiritually and physically, how with each generation, it gets worse with each generation and how these things are addressed. Then we see there are larger societies who stand to profit and to benefit from us exponentially being in this condition. And then you have the small voices like you and I who are looking to address these issues and work with our people and you know teach them to love one another. You see what I'm saying? And you have cousins in the family who are different in different street organizations that are at war with one another. So they're not cousins anymore. They may not be brothers anymore because there's nothing outside of the family to define them. They was there for me when my family wasn't there. You see what I'm saying? You know, I got I, home and they threw me a party. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Like, so these are the things that, you know, push and motivate want to continue on a, a very destructive path in a more destructive fashion. It's celebrating, it's honor, it's, you know, rewarded. There's plenty of things that go along with it. So looking at like black on black crime, we must understand the crime and the robbery that was done to the psychology to put one in a state to where it's essentially suicidal. So one is looking to take his own life in defense of his own life. Mm. Wow. Wow. I know we could talk about that like forever. I mean, that's just an ongoing conversation that will always need to be addressed, that will always need to be tackled, that will always need to be yeah, just talked about. I mean, I'm just going to leave it at that. And yeah, I'm just going, I mean, it's some of the things that I saw policing in DC just in coming from Philly and, you know, growing up in the hood and just, yeah, it just, it just boggles my mind. And I was just talking to a friend the other day who is an assistant principal in Philly and one of her students was killed um, over words. Like, I mean, he was a teenager and a grown man killed him for some words that they shared to each other. And yeah, it just, it's just a lot. And like you said, it's, it's on so many levels and it goes so much deeper than we can definitely unravel in this conversation right here. And so um, yeah, but we just have to keep addressing it. Like I said, keep talking about it and keep doing what it is that we can do. And just every little thing makes a difference. And so, yeah, so, all right, well, I, I'm going to leave that there. We probably can have a part two on that one for sure. But <laughs> I, I want to know, and, and I always ask all of my guests, um, and I thank you for that. I thank you for that. But I want to know, what does prayer mean to you? That's the greatest question in the universe, right? There. <laughs> prayer is, in the words of Dr. Khaled, peace and blessings be upon him, prayer is focus. Prayer is focus. It's intentional. It is uh, communion. It's communication. 
It's a divine connector for all of your faculties and all of your being. You approach prayer with your whole heart and your whole heart and intention with establishing or reestablishing a connection with so that essence where you begin to seek the creator's face, seek after those that are just of uh, nothing else. You leave everything else off of the table. You know, my, my mother said, you know, she don't got common sense. She got God sense. And she also said, if you got 24 hours in the day, I know you got 10 minutes for God time. Take 10 minutes out of your day. So prayer for me is God time. You know, I, I grew up in the world and the, the beauty of the Islamic world was five times a day at least, five times a day at least, you had to stop whatever you was doing, wherever you are, and offer a supplication to our creator, to approach that situation, to have that kind of space, in a place and programmed to understand that. Remarkable. So I used to be at work, <laughs> you understand? Know it didn't matter what it was, you know, you had to go do what you had to do. Uh, that beseeching in that kind of mind frame. And it's an interesting story along with it. Uh, it was told in the story that Muhammad made this ascension into heaven to find out when the Muslims are supposed to pray. And the story says that they started off with uh, our creator told Muhammad that the Muslims needed to pray a hundred times a day. And he came back and he met Moses and Moses said, nah, that's too much. They won't be able to do it. So it went from 500 to 50. And Moses said, nah, it's too much. They won't do it. And then the number went from 50 to five. Moses said, no, nah, they won't do it. It's too much. And it's reported that our creator said, no, it's five. That's what it's going to be. And you would think that in 24 hours, you got 15 minutes, five times a day before the creator of all. And there's some that don't do it. It's too much. <laughs> so whether the story was true or not, we still do find that people don't have 15 minutes out of a 24-hour period, one time a day, to commune and to be in a space of our creator. And because we don't have that time, we don't think we have enough time. There's people trying to get 80 hours out of a 24-hour day for what they deem is important. Prayer is a reminder. So life brings people together, and so does death. I think death brings more people together than life. Mm. So depending on where wow. you are and what you glorify, this is what you'll be attracted to. So, you know, you, you see family you ain't seen in 80 years and they say, oh, Lord, you know, we got to we got to meet on a better occasion than this. And, you know, we got to stay in contact with each other and just not be with some in the family and blah, blah, blah. But death is a reminder. Death is an opportunity, just like life is an opportunity. If you have breath in your body one day to get it right, you have a chance to get it right. And death is a that this physical shift 
has a shelf life and it will expire. And then you have to turn before the Creator and answer for the gift of life that he gave you and what you did with it. What you did with this gift of life. You see what I'm saying? So mm. prayer allows you to see and meditate and walk in that spiritual space that you need for reflection, for for answers that you may just have questions looming in your not ask for anything, but to for what you already received. Because you have a mind, and when you go in to pray, you come out with answers, and you ain't even asking questions out loud most of the time. And the beautiful thing about scripture, you can have something weighing on your heart. And you open up the Bible in no order. Scripture, that's exactly what you needed right at that particular time. That's prayer. You see what I'm saying? Your dealings, whether they're difficult or, or not, and you find a way to get through that experience without losing yourself in that experience, that's prayer. You see what I'm saying? That's also charity because you know what you're capable of doing. So if you allow that person to get on out of your way, that's some charity. You understand what I'm saying? Prayer is charity. Prayer is, prayer is all of these things. They're all-encompassing experience to where you begin to walk in that instance to see a thing for what it is and not for what it simply appears to be. Mm. So prayer allows you that space to be able to truly know God in all of the various facets and forms of revelation that God reveals to us. Mm, awesome. I love it. Okay, well, I thank you, thank you, thank you for all of this knowledge that you dropped on us today. And of course, I cannot go without, I always, always, always do a little bit of Bible trivia with my guests. And so I have a question for Mr. Knowledge, and we're going to do some Bible trivia. Is only one question. Uh-oh. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's easy. I know you got this. That's funny because actually he's the only one who really didn't make a, a serious face, but you did say, uh-oh. Usually when I say that, everybody, like, their face just goes. It, it's just so funny. So here goes. This, this question is so easy. I know you got this. And it's multiple choice. So, what is the last book of the New Testament? A, Jude, B, Genesis, C, Revelations, or D, 3rd John? I'm going to say Revelations. Yes, absolutely. That's funny because you had just said that that is what prayer is. That is revelation. I was like, man, look at this. He didn't let it right. Yes. <laughs> Look, what you say? You open up multiple church, they'd be like, uh, (laughs) yes, that's why I give that's why I give multiple choice to kind of not put people, uh, on the spot. (laughs) I think Genesis is the last (laughs) of the. (laughs) Oh man, that is funny. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Knowledge, for sitting down, chit-chatting with your girl, Georgette, a.k.a. The Preaker. Please, there's one other. um, Tell everybody where they can reach you, how they can find you. I'm telling you, this guy is amazing. And he does an awesome, awesome thing with the, the youth. And he's out there with um, do the knowledge empower you, which is awesome. And so just let people know how they can 
reach you, how they can find you, how they can follow you, how they can support you, how can they contact you, all of that. And so can you leave that with them? And um, yeah, just leave that with them, how they can reach you. Wow. Before I say that, I definitely want to thank you for thinking enough and finding enough value in who I am and what I do to allow me on this platform. I'm sure that everybody doesn't make it <laughs> in the selection process to come here on this platform. So I'm thankful to be thought of enough to be extended an invitation. So it was an honor. It was a pleasure. You know, uh, you, you treated me like a guest. <laughs> I could say that. You know, that was beautiful. And I could be found uh, on YouTube, www.youtube.com forward slash do the knowledge radio. And that's D O T H A. You know, if you put, type in D O T H E, I don't know who you're going to get. It's not going to be me, though. <laughs> it's D O T H A. You see what I'm saying? Uh, K-N-O-W-L-E-D-G-E-R-A-D-I-O. Check us out at our hub sites, our e-commerce sites, dudenowsradio.com, and as our queen, Georgette, stated, DTK Empower You. And that is, you know, the, the hub space for our youth, which we're going to roll into a nonprofit where we focus on at from the age of seven to 18 years old. So, um, I have a special connection in history with at-risk youth because I was deemed at-risk youth. And, and if you're young and black in America, you're at risk. Someone is looking to you know do something to you. So the, the difference maker in that is who you are, what you read, who you associate yourself with. So we provide that space and commonality in regards to closing that gap and imbuing our young people with a spirit of hope. Because you said woke earlier. All of the parents is woke and, and all of the children are asleep. But mm. they're not passing on this information to the children. There's no evidence in the family dynamic where this thing can go in regards to our youth being proud of who they are and where they come from. But their parents is mad deep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> deep, but the children are left behind. And, you know, like when the pandemic began, we began, you know, five days a week feeding uh, young children in our community. A hundred children, children, and it's gotten to as many as 150 children five days a week on a day. So we had a concentration on the youth and the elders. So there's a few people that's assigned to the elders and a few of us that are assigned along with this one meal five days a week. You know, there's some guidance, you know, there's some love, there's some compassion. You know, we don't know what's going on in their home. But we know when we link up with them, we meet with them, they see brothers and sisters that look like them loving on them. You see what I'm saying? Respecting them. You know, we're not taking a job, you understand. You ain't coming, you ain't coming with no you know job and think you go get get away. Hey, we try. You know, because we tried when we were young. But you know, that consistency and that commitment to them, and they have a commitment to us. It, you know, it started off and it just continues to extend. So DTK Power You, you know, is for our youth. You know, it's crazy that I have an organization for our youth, but we, we have to have an organization for our youth. So there's so many pitfalls and traps that are out there that are waiting for them. They have to have a place where they can go and, you know, bear their soul. So awesome. before prison, before institutions, before the cemetery, you know, we have a duty and responsibility for our future generation. So that's, you know, in, in a nutshell, what DTK Empower You uh, is about at risk youth from the age of seven to 18, you know, because these are, uh, I believe, the most 
trying times in a young black child's life. You know, we have other services from 19 to 35 uh, for you know, that particular group because just because you change digits don't mean you change mentality. You could be lost in the sauce out there at, at 35. I know you done met some 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 old fools running around here <laughs> in their 60s and their 70s. You know, but we got that, you know, 1935 group as well. So, you know, but the youth is our niche focus, you know, in word and in deed. So um, social media wise, if you want to be a guest on the show, you can email me at dudenowledgeradio at gmail.com. Uh, IG, you can find us on the business page, dudenowledgeradio you know, or at knowledgebornalive357 on Instagram and Twitter at knowledgeborn15. Again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Queen Georgette, the Preka, for allowing me yeah. to get my Preka on this platform right here. <laughs> Awesome, awesome, awesome. I thank you. I thank you for indulging me. I thank you. I thank you. All right, y'all. This was another episode of Praying and Preaking with your girl, Georgia, a.k.a. The Preaker, where we come to show, tell, and know how prayer changes things. It is not a cliche. It's a reality. And like I always say, I'm out deuces. See y'all on the next episode. And we are out. Bye. Lord, put your prayers up. Prayers up. Yeah, prayers up. Blessings from the Lord, put your prayers up. Prayers up. Prayers up.